The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Coates, and I am joined by my friends, Dr. Ryan Denny. Hi, Ryan. Hello there. Good to be with you. And Jessica Nowadley. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Thanks. And I'm excited about our conversation today. I think we're talking about parenting, and I know that you both are parents, and you both have a lot of good insights about parenting. Let's just jump on in and You guys share what you want to share about parenting. I think one of the important things to start with is parenting is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's important that everybody knows that. It's not hard because you're not good at it. If you do it well, if you do it thoughtfully and intentionally, you're Mm -hmm. going to experience it as difficult. And to me, that's a good sign Mm -hmm. that you're doing it thoughtfully. So if Mm -hmm. you think it's easy, take a look at yourself (laughs) is what I would say. Maybe you're not really doing it (laughs) right. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. I read a quote. It said, if you're wondering if you're a good parent, then you're a good parent. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I like that because that means you you care about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things we want to talk about today for sure is when you feel like a bad parent, because I think that's uh, more of a universal feeling than maybe we talk about or discuss. And my personal thought on that is it's normal to feel that way. And sometimes you are a bad parent. (laughs) You know, I think we all are sometimes and it's okay to own that, but not all the time. We're not bad parents all the time, but just like really assessing in what ways am I a positive and what ways am I a negative parent, you know? Mm -hmm. We're all human. Yeah. So we're going to make mistakes. And I think sometimes, too, we look at our kids and we think, I read this quote, it says, I'm not raising my kids, we're growing together. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that because we're both human and regulating emotions is really hard and Mm -hmm. dealing with hard stuff is challenging and so being a parent you're working on yourself and you're trying to raise your kids to do the same thing so yeah we're human absolutely and you know it's also not our children's job to make us feel like we're good parents Mm. in fact it's more their job to be individuals and push boundaries and develop into who they were created to be and sometimes they're doing that doesn't make us feel like we're doing a very good job as a parent you know and Mm -hmm. so it's important to remember that they they're not just reflections of our glory they are who they are that's really good Yeah, I think about that a lot, that our children are not many clones of us. I mean, they're individually wired. They've got their own personality traits. And I think a lot of times, I mean, I even do this myself. I want my kids to do as I say and do Mm -hmm. as I do and basically be many versions of myself. But that's not at all who they were created to be. Mm -hmm. And I love how you just said boundaries. You know, these Mm -hmm. children, they're going to push boundaries. And maybe sometimes that's okay Mm because that's how they develop their own sense of individualism. I think it's important to get to know your kids, Mm -hmm. especially if you have more than one, because they're not many versions of us. They're a combination of you and your partner. And so getting to know them, what works, what doesn't work, and it's it can be a little bit of trial and error. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. It is okay. It's okay to not know immediately what the best thing to do is, but to have a trial and error process. Mm -hmm. And also children, their temperament comes on a continuum of Mm. compliance. Well, there are many continua, (laughs) but that's one of them. And some of them are super compliant by nature. And some of them are what we would call 
strong-willed. Ugh, I just twitched. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> if you have one of those? Oh, yes. I think yes. Ryan and I share that. Yes. We have many conversations about parenting mm-hmm. a strong-willed child. Yep. We should talk about what that means and is. Yeah. Yes. And what it's not. Strong-willed kids, I think they're characterized as often very opinionated. There tends to be very a lot of power struggles mm-hmm. with um, strong-willed kids. I think the world can sometimes see them as defiant, mm-hmm. disobedient, but they're not. They just have strong opinions, and they are passionate. That's so I think right. part of the approach to parenting them is reframing your thinking. Mm-hmm. It's easy in the moment because it is sometimes so draining, but in the moment to see the negatives of that personality, but to be able to reframe that and realize that they have leadership Mm -hmm. qualities and that they're passionate, that they know what they want. Mm -hmm. And so I think our approach as parents, it's easy to be very almost legalistic. Like when I say this, you do this. And it doesn't work that way with them. And that's actually a good thing. Those skills are gonna come in handy Mm -hmm. Because we all know life's hard. (laughs) And so right now, it feels really hard as Mm -hmm. a parent. But as they get older, those skills are going to be so well used. And I think, too, it's easy to misread their motives. It does Mm. feel like defiance and just, I'm just not wanting to do this because you want me to. And, of course, sometimes it's that. But it's they're often very sensitive in nature and they're they're very sensitive to their environment and they know what they want like when i was a kid i didn't know what i want i was super compliant you know i just want everybody to be happy with me yeah but i have a son who doesn't really you know always care much if i'm happy with him he, you know he has his own thoughts and his own mind his own desires. he's not trying to just be defiant you know he he's wanting to negotiate what he needs you know you know in a very like intense way and so it's just important not to misread the motives like to know your kid like you were saying and Often strong-willed kids are much more sensitive and even anxious than we Mm -hmm. think they are. And it's very easy to forget that there's like anxiety going on under there or some kind of other process. I think, too, we can approach it with the challenges. We can feel like they need to be fixed. Like there's something Mm -hmm. wrong here. Just reframing that thinking and instead let's embrace that. Let's get to know them. Let's find out what some of those triggers might be for these outbursts, what feels like defiance, and kind of lean into it. Again, grow with them Mm -hmm. instead of just try to parent them. If you have a very compliant child, you are having a much different parenting experience than I'm having with a more strong-willed child. It's very easy for you to judge me because when you ask your child to do something, he or she probably does it, (laughs) more or less. So you can just give the look and they'll do it. My kid doesn't operate like that. You know, many times I've thrown him over my shoulder and we've marched out of Target while he was kicking and screaming because he wouldn't get what he wanted. And all the judgmental looks, you know, and I'm judging myself. Because if your kid's acting crazy, it's your fault. You know, you've Mm. done something wrong. (laughs) You're a bad parent. I think parenting these kids is just, like you said, reframing things a lot and and giving yourself grace that it's going to look different. It's going to look different than parenting a child who's more easy easy in their temperament. Yeah. Yeah. I had actually an experience. We had to take my daughter to urgent care, and she loved the nurse, did not like the PA. And my daughter's three. Mm. And so the, the PA was trying to get her to open her mouth, to look at her tonsils, and she would not open her mouth. And I found myself feeling really embarrassed mm-hmm. and frustrated, like, gosh, Sophie, just cooperate. Mm-hmm. I could tell the PA was getting frustrated. And then I reflected on it later, and I thought, 
no, it's really good that she mm-hmm. knows she has control of her body. Yes. That if she doesn't feel comfortable, she can say no. And so just even myself as a therapist who who offers support for parents struggling, I too have to remind myself that this is actually a really good trait. Mm-hmm. And also giving them choices has worked or helped us, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, you don't have to do that. Let's talk about what happens if you don't, you know, like with the natural consequences of all of that. Let me tell you right now, I'm starting to feel self-conscious because I'm trying to give you answers. <laughs> stuff, <laughs> stuff that I tell you works with my kid may not work with your kid. You know what I'm saying? It's just about creativity and figuring out what does and doesn't work. And what worked with your kid yesterday may not work tomorrow. Absolutely (laughs) right. That's right. Well, and also to add to that, what works with one child might not work with the other one in the same family. So Mm -hmm. I have two. One, my youngest is far more strong-willed than my oldest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the parenting of the first one looked completely different than the parenting of the second. So I remember a therapist told me years ago with my youngest when I was struggling with some strong-willed defiance or whatever you want to call it, she shared with me a really helpful suggestion about giving your child choices. Now, both choices are something you are, as the parent are okay with. At that time, she was four and it was putting on shoes and she didn't want to wear shoes, period. But she has to wear shoes to go to school. And so we gave her the choice. You can put the shoes on here or you can put them on in the van. But at the end, you have to have shoes on before you get out of the car. Which do you prefer to do? And she always chose to put her shoes on in the van mm-hmm. when we pulled into the driveway at school and that was I was fine with that but it's given that strong-willed child a choice mm-hmm. that the parent is okay with mm-hmm. I think that was a very great suggestion and I'm noticing that what you had to do there and what I've had to do many times is release my need for control yes because these children will push that button they do they do not care if you feel in control <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i've had to ask myself am i just wanting to be in control here or am i wanting to do what's best for him to learn and grow and self-regulate and get mm-hmm. the job done you know yeah and i think that is typically how parents speak to their kids right mm-hmm. because we are the authority and I say that loosely so that again like you do this when I say to do it it's this kind of new school way of thinking of allowing options Mm -hmm. and giving your kids some control and I think surrender that's the word that keeps coming to mind Mm -hmm. is surrendering your own expectations surrendering how you think they will respond or won't and just kind of be willing to see Mm -hmm. how it goes but to piggyback off of that too I think our tone Sometimes the way that we, especially strong-willed children, because they know what they want Mm -hmm. and they don't like to be interrupted. So typically strong-willed kids like to see things through, regardless whether it's coloring a picture or playing a game. You can't just say, okay, we're going to go to the bathroom now. Mm -hmm. Oh, heck no. That Mm -hmm. does not end well. I think tone and creativity, Mm -hmm. like Ryan said, can be really helpful Mm -hmm. too. Well, and giving some warning. In five minutes, we're going to leave, Mm -hmm. and the coloring page needs to be put up. Mm -hmm. But it gives them, um, I think somebody, a therapist shared with me, priming the pump is what that technique was Mm -hmm. called. And you're allowing them, you know, and they may not know at four what five minutes really looks and feels like, but you could set a timer, and when the timer goes off, we're putting the coloring pages away. Mm -hmm. And it gives them that control you were talking about, Jessica. Mm -hmm. I love Alexa for that reason. Mm -hmm. Multiple times in my house, Alexa, set a timer for three minutes. Yeah, when my kids were small, we didn't have Alexa, so I had timers. (laughs) Well, in terms of discipline, which is a big area of concern for all parents, with a a more strong-willed kid, it doesn't work. (laughs) Oftentimes, you have to figure out what does and doesn't work. And the, the advice that people will give you, 
I can just tell you right now, it's not going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so really working to be creative and just being willing to abandon what does not work and really asking myself, am I doing this because mom told me to, because the neighbor up the street would judge me if I didn't, because my spouse, whatever, or am I doing this because it's likely to work with my child and actually get the actual goal that I'm after, which is not control. It's learning, them learning to put on their shoes, you know, and regulate their emotions. Like those are what we're, the things we're actually after, not just compliance for compliance sake. And one thing that's, that's really helped me is the idea that it's the connection with that I have with him that will breed long-term compliance, not just consequences. Now, I'm not telling you you can't have consequences for behavior. Don't <laughs> yeah. hear me say that. Connection with him is ultimately the most important thing that will bring long-term like connection with his heart is what i'm saying and understanding him and get helping him get his needs met will ultimately bring about what i want more long-term than anything else mm-hmm. i have a story i'll tell you yeah the boy was just didn't want to go to sleep you know just, you know how they are they don't want to go to bed and they scream and they cry and they so on and so we tried everything you're supposed to try and we read the books locking down on him like you can't act like this <laughs> and then and we tried the whole permissive you know how are you feeling about going to bed and all that baloney you try and nothing worked <laughs> And so, and I'm not recommending you do this with your child. I'm I'm really close to the microphone now and I'm saying I'm not recommending you do this with your child, but it's something I just, I just tried and you might judge me if you want to, but we'll just see because it worked. One day I just scooped him up in my, he was screaming, scooped him up in my arms and walked out the front door and up the street. And, and about halfway down the block, he stopped crying. He started looking around. He's like, Dad, where are we going? I said, I don't know, man. You, you seem really upset at our house, you know, tonight. And so I was wondering if maybe one of the neighbors would like to take you for the night. <laughs> and, now, I would never do that. I would never give him to a neighbor for the night. Okay. And he said, no, I don't really want to stay with a neighbor for the night. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's no problem. But if you come back to our house, it's time for bed. And he was thinking his little wheels were turning and turning, you know. And I said, let's just stop here and take a minute and I'll let you think about it. And I was just so calm as I could be, you know. <laughs> and so I said, well, what about Miss Allison? She lives right there. You know, do you think she would, you want to go to her house? And he's like, no, I don't want to go to her house. <laughs> like, okay. And I said, what do you want to do? He said, well, let's just go back home and I'll go to bed. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So I said, all right, that sounds like a good idea. Like it's his idea. That sounds like a good idea. And so we walked back in the house and he went to bed. Now, you could judge me and say, how dare you threaten your child, you know, to give him to somebody else, you know, but it worked. And the next time he started screaming like that, picked him up in my arms, started walking toward the front door. He said, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I'll go to bed. I don't want to stay with the neighbor tonight. It's okay. (laughs) And then the next time, all I had to do is be like, you you want to take a walk he's like no that's okay that's okay (laughs) because he wants to be in our home you see just wants to feel empowered he doesn't want to you know just be in control and be defiant and mean-spirited you know he wants to be part of our family and he needs to realize that part of that is going to bed now Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so and also i'll add this emotion can change emotion so when he's like in that space you know and we're locked in the house or whatever it's really helpful for my boy to just scoop him up start walking outside you know just help him to be in a different physical environment as well Mm -hmm. i love that i do not judge you thank you (laughs) (laughs) i think i've done something similar yeah yeah Yeah. you just you have to get creative Mm -hmm. and you have to sometimes change the scenery yeah and and they're smart, and so they learn your techniques and your tactics. And so, again, what worked yesterday or up until that point may not work that night. And I constantly say in my house, and mostly I say it to remind myself, I just say, 
Big emotions, small body. Mm-hmm. Big emotions, mm-hmm. small body. We're helping them regulate. I primarily work with moms and I tell them all the time, you can't spoil a baby. And I don't know that you can spoil a little kid either. Mm-hmm. Because what we're doing when we're helping them bring their emotions back down is we're teaching them that their body is capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're going to do it on their own. But right now, for especially strong-willed kids that I think express such big emotions in such a big way they need a little bit longer for us a little bit more time for us to provide that support for them yeah it really is helping them find the calm Mm -hmm. and and because they're so sensitive it's more difficult for them to i think to regulate and calm themselves Mm -hmm. imagine if you're if you're a sensitive person you know exactly what i'm about to talk about but if you're not just imagine (laughs) if everything in your environment you were sensitive to it you know like the the sounds and the 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 touches and the people and the emotions of the people and what we're going to do next and feeling you know uncertain and just everything around you impacted you deeply you'd be a wreck too (laughs) you know like you'd have to find a way to calm yourself too and since they're young and little they don't know how to do that so they're needing help one of the things i hate is whining (laughs) <laughs> me too. I can't stand, stand it. it. <laughs> Such a trigger. Triggers me so triggers me too. bad. Oh my gosh. And so telling him to stop whining has never worked. I still do it, but it has never, ever worked. But I, I try to see it as a sign that he needs help with something. Now, it's easy to see it as he just wants something and is manipulating me with his behavior. <laughs> Maybe so. But it's, he also needs help to calm because he wants to be calm. You know, he wants to be feel in control of himself and do a good job and, and be pleasing. You know, he's just having a hard time doing it. I wanted to piggyback of what you said. You talked about helping them find their calm. Uh. And I want to normalize that though it is a, the adult needs to stay calm, it is incredibly normal not to stay calm. Mm. Right? Like we have emotions too. And our, you talked about it. Our kids' emotions and their responses can often trigger our own and that goes with control and that goes with emotional regulation but so I just want to normalize that it is our goal as the adult as the parent to stay calm but it's incredibly normal Mm, to lose absolutely. our cool. And you're yep. not a bad parent yep. if mm-hmm. you lose your cool mm-hmm. and it makes me think of when I start to lose my cool I try very hard to take a deep breath mm-hmm. and my kids are older now and so when they start to lose their cool they will take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that triggers me because I'm like, because they're, you know, they're taking a deep breath and I know that might come with some attitude. So, you know, it's interesting navigating that with teenagers. Right. And we're talking about losing your cool in a not destructive way, right? Right. We're talking about appropriate responses in general, but yeah, absolutely. And it's normal. And I think too, the recovery is just as important. I have apologized to my Mm three-year-old on multiple occasions and just mommy lost her cool. I shouldn't have yelled at you the way that I did. One of the things I have written on one of the sticky notes of my mind to always keep in mind is you don't have to be a perfect parent, but you need to be a humble one. Mm. Always able to come back and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. Because that's what I expect of him. Absolutely. He behaves wrongly. Good points. Mm -hmm. What would you say to parents who are parenting with a partner who doesn't share the same methods or styles of discipline or parenting as yourself? Find a marriage therapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) My response is similar. Get on the same page. Do what it takes. You absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to be intentional Mm -hmm. about it. You have to have conversations with your partner privately, not with your children present. Though that time Mm -hmm. doesn't, life doesn't always allow that. But 
yeah, get on the same page. Yep. Mm-hmm. And somebody's usually more authoritarian and somebody's usually more passive and there's usually great strengths in both and coming to the middle. And if you just can't do it, you need to get help to do it because I'm, I'm not really, I don't have a lot of grace for this <laughs> situation because you, it's crucial. Your children will suffer if you're on different pages. You'll constantly undermine each other. Mm-hmm. It's And even if you're separated, divorced, co-parenting in some way, it's so, and I know that's really hard, but it's so important to communicate and be at, some, at least somewhat on the same page with how you're parenting them, your Absolutely. expectations. Mm-hmm. Right, and kids pick up on that. It doesn't matter how young or how old they are, they pick up on those bumps they pick up mm-hmm. on that lack of connection with the parents and they will use it to their advantage they will they're already testing boundaries they're going to know mm-hmm. oh this parent is the nurturing soft one this one's the more authoritative one and if you guys aren't on the same page you're just going to create more issues mm-hmm. and more struggle well and then i think then in turn that creates issues obviously with the yep. couple yep. in their relationship and you know i've worked with couples who the it's not that the children caused their problems but the children took advantage mm-hmm. of maybe what was already a deficit in the relationship and then the child will pit the two against mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. and then their uh, relational problem just grows and grows and so i agree find a good marriage counselor yeah absolutely. or even if you're not married just find a relationship therapist mm-hmm. someone who can help you co-parent together etc yeah and you're both right and you're both wrong mm-hmm. and that's the that's the truth yeah you know mm-hmm. you have to figure out am i correct in this situation how can my partner come toward me and where am i incorrect where do, mm-hmm. what do i need to let go of and come more toward the middle mm-hmm. toward them I tell myself all the time, and I tell my clients, just because they do it different does not mean they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. And I think, too, we can't control other people. We can't emotionally regulate other people, including our spouse or our children. (laughs) My husband, for example, is parenting in a way that is not my style. I remind myself he's not wrong. And sometimes I have to excuse myself. Mm. Like, let him have his moment and do his thing. And so we kind of do this, are you ready to tap out? Like, whose turn? You know, sometimes we go together, and sometimes we kind of, you just tag team it sometimes as well. And I find, too, with my clients when we're talking about their different styles of parenting, that I think when you have two thoughtful parents that are really doing their best, when it feels like you're on opposite ends and you're doing it so different, as you kind of break it down, which a therapist can help you do, you realize you're actually on, you are really on the same page. want the same things. You want the same things. Yeah. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. have the same goals. You're just, your approaches might be different. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of leads into the next topic of how our own childhoods Mm -hmm. And experiences can influence mm-hmm. our parenting. And so going back to that partnership, kind of understanding your partner and why they might parent the way that they do, if anything, to build awareness and grace. And what in you remains unhealed mm-hmm. from your childhood? And knowing that for yourself, because anything unhealed in me will impact anyone I try to love. And you can't stop that from happening. Just like any healing that I experience or enjoy will also trickle down to the people that I try to love as well. And you you cannot stop that from happening. You cannot stop your, your own level of healing from impacting others, especially those closest to you, especially your children. And so the greatest gift that we can give our children is not the best education in the country or the most money in the world or all that stuff. It is your own healing. That is the greatest gift. And and people, clients come to me and they say, well, you know, I feel so selfish spending this money on myself when, you know, when my kids need this and my kids, this is the best money you will ever spend for your children is healing your own trauma and your own pain because they will reap the benefits and rewards of your peace. And then you can help them. 
with their piece, you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so like good. I'm in a therapy session. I know. I love it. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Like, just learning what's unhealed within yes. yourself. How yeah. powerful. Yep. And to learn about your spouse or your partner as you guys grow and connect mm-hmm be a part of each other's journey. You're not responsible for their healing, but to be present and supportive through it can help align you, mm-hmm. align your hearts, and help you survive this parenting together. Right. Before my son was born, we were at a, a gathering, and I saw a six-year-old boy, and he was uh, obviously super anxious, and he was like, uh, had some hair-pulling issues going on, he had kind of a bald spot, and it, you know, it was really sad to, to see. But I noticed that being around that little boy, because he was super sweet, you know, it just really triggered me bad. Like I had, I almost started crying when I saw this boy, you know, and I didn't know him that well, but it just, it just really triggered something inside of me. And I was in therapy at the time and I asked my therapist, like, this is a really weird experience because there was like an eight-year-old there who's obviously depressed and that didn't bother me, you know, and there are adults everywhere and that didn't bother me. He's like, well, there's something in, in you that's unhealed. He said, what was going on when you were six? We unpacked that, and, and it was a lot of unhealed pain from when I was six years old. You know, I was moved across the country at that time in my life. There's a lot of separation and pain and things I'd never really worked through. And so that was a trigger, as a signal to me. And I thought about, like, what do our kids trigger in us? Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe it's anger, you know, or pain or something. Just being paying a lot of attention to that. It's not our kids' fault that, I, that we're triggered. That's our responsibility to heal that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. They're not responsible for our healing. Right. That's right. Absolutely. What's that meme? You are not responsible for your pain or who caused the pain to you, but you are responsible for pursuing your own healing. And yeah. I think that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. Absolutely. Right? And healing is a choice. Absolutely. Right. We have to seek mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. We, we don't wait until you know, with physical illness, we don't wait until symptoms are unbearable before we seek help. Well, some people do. Some people do. We should. Let's rephrase that. We shouldn't. It won't turn out well, typically. And so the same goes for mental health when you notice. And so I think just that mindfulness and that awareness too, as a parent, what is my child triggering in me that might be unhealed or areas that I need to look at and how is my childhood or my life experience influencing how I'm parenting my child Mm -hmm. is it influencing it in a good way in a positive way or is it not very positive Mm -hmm. and exploring that a little bit more absolutely well this has been really really wonderful both of you thank you so much any final thoughts to share with the audience about parenting in general or a specific tip to leave someone with (laughs) you're not alone yep I was in preparation for this. I was reading some mommy blog, Instagram parenting posts, and uh, someone had posted, you know, what is the most challenging thing about parenting for you? And someone commented, the children. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, yep, you hit the nail on the head right there. The children really complicate parenting. (laughs) But truly, you're not alone. And it is a struggle. And like we said in the beginning, it, it really is that hard. Yeah. Rewarding worthwhile yeah Mm -hmm. but also really hard transformative as well if you allow it to be it's a a wise mentor told me one time that he believes that children that god gives us children partly to complete our own healing Mm. and like that's not their job obviously to heal us that's not what i mean but that god uses them as part of the process of healing what's left to be healed within us that are loving them 
is part of how we heal the rest of it, you know. And my my goal as a parent is just to, for my son to not have the anguish of his life be because I was his dad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's going to have anguish otherwise, right. you know. <laughs> but for him to know what healing and wholeness and peace looks like so he can have it in his own life. That's mm. wonderful. Well, mm-hmm. thank you again. Yeah, thank and you. if you're listening today and you need some help with parenting, co-parenting, maybe you have yourself a strong-willed child, you are welcome to reach out to any one of our 65 therapists in our five locations, soon to be six locations with Clayton coming up in the October timeframe. But feel free to find us at 1-80counseling.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.